HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Cutting the Curd has been brought to you by Academy Opus Cassius. The Academy Opus Cassius is the cheese industry's unique center for professional development, offering both practical and classroom training in the heart of France. For more information, visit academy-mons.com. That's A-C-A-D-E-M-I-E-M-O-N-S.com. You're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.org, a nonprofit member-supported radio station. We're millions strong, with folks tuning in from over 200 countries. We are education. We are entertainment. We are the future of food. May is our membership drive. Become a member and support us while receiving e-newsletters, advanced invites, special discounts, and a membership card. We need your support. Visit our website and click the donate button to become a member today. Thank you for believing in us and enjoy the show. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby, broadcast live to the Cosmos on the Heritage Radio Network. Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Ann Saxelby, and today I am very pleased to have my good buddy Ari Weinswag of Zingerman's, uh, of Zing- of Zingerman's Community of Businesses here with me on the show. Uh, are you with us, Ari? I am totally with you. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show and for dealing with my lateness. Um, driving in New York City, we've decided, is just not ever a good idea. Not a great idea. Ever. No, unless you're driving a bicycle. Then that uh, everything seems to work a whole lot better. But, okay, uh, well, no worries on our end. I've got plenty of work to do to keep me busy. So <laughs> I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. Well, um, so today we're kind of going to take a departure from our usual um, you know, subject matter, which is pretty much just cheese all the time, and we're actually going to talk about bacon, um, which I think is appropriate because, you know, bacon is one of cheese's best friends, you know, on a grilled cheese sandwich, like on, yeah. a, on a burger, you know, in a, in a messy breakfast, you know, eggs and bacon and cheese scramble. Um, so I think it's a totally, uh, you know, uh, a totally appropriate departure. I like it. <laughs> so, um, and we're going to talk to you about Camp Bacon. Um, Camp Bacon is coming up this year at uh, at Zingerman's in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, this is the fourth year that you guys are doing it. Is that correct? Uh, it is. I uh, when I wrote 
the Bacon Book, whatever uh, that is, five years ago, I guess. So Zingerman's Guide to Better Bacon, a sort of made-up idea of Camp Bacon, just in a little flight of writing fancy. And uh, I don't know, about six months after the book came out, Pete Garner, who works with us, uh, we were joking around in a meeting, and he said, like, we should do that, make it happen. And I was like, yeah, you're right, let's make it happen. <laughs> so we decided to make Camp Bacon be real instead of just fiction. And uh, so this is the fourth year we're doing it. And uh, we do it as a fundraiser for Southern Foodways Alliance down in Oxford at Ole Miss, which is, I think, a really fabulous nonprofit. Yeah. And then also for the local 4-H uh, in the interest of helping support local agriculture. And uh, we got a whole weekend of bacon, all sorts of things. I, I was thinking, I'm sorry, I'm like, I was like writing questions and stuff, and I just couldn't help myself from all this ridiculous, all these ridiculous puns. But you know how they always talked about fat camp when you were a kid, like you get threatened, you know, and be like, oh, they're going to send you to fat camp in the summertime. I was thinking this is like the good version of, of fat camp, you know. I think this is just the good version of camp. Yeah. <laughs> like I went, I went to Jewish camp. <laughs> yeah. But actually last year we had uh, Tamar Adler. Oh, uh-huh. Who you probably know. Uh, and whose book is fantastic, I think. But um, she uh, grew up, her dad actually ran a Jewish camp in Maine called Camp Moden. And so uh, her talk was actually from Camp Moden to Camp Bacon. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit about like the program? What what are the different yeah, elements absolutely. of Camp Bacon? Um, so Thursday night next week, um, we have a bacon ball, a dis- bacon themed dinner at the Roadhouse, so we'd be about five courses, lots of bacon in all forms, uh, which should be great. We've got a few seats left for that if anybody wants to come out. Um, and, and I guess, Alex and Young, I guess who you know, who you know, won a James Beard Award and all those other good things, will be cooking up a storm, so it's between that and the fact that there's a lot of bacon, it's kind of hard to imagine it being anything other than amazing. Um, Friday, we do have a class at Bake, which is our uh, baking school for home bakers, but unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on which perspective one looks at it from, it's sold out. Uh, and then Saturday is the main event, and we have a few seats left for that, and that goes from 8 to 4 Saturday, and it's at Zingerman's Roadhouse. And we've got an amazing lineup of speakers and presenters, and we've got Herb Eckhouse coming from Iowa, who you've probably interviewed or will be interviewing, if you haven't, who does amazing work with sustainable hog raising and uh, traditional curing of pork products. Uh, Sam Edwards, who I know Heritage has done a lot with yeah, him, who's yeah, third-generation bacon a... maker. We've got Bob Newski, uh, the man himself, who apparently almost never goes to anything like this, but somehow we've managed to convince him to come and you're, tell stories. You're a pretty persuasive guy, Ari. I think. Well, you know. it took me four years to yeah. get it, but he's, <laughs> uh, he's a great, great, great storyteller and a super nice guy. Um, we've got Nick Spencer, who is a Englishman who married an American woman, moved to Chicago, and longed for his bacon, and so started, even though his profession is marketing, started to learn how to make British bacon, and so he's got a whole uh, business uh, making British back bacon, so he's going to talk. And let's see, we've got uh, the leading expert on the Israeli pork industry. That's an interesting, that's an interesting thing. I mean... Jeffrey Yaskowitz is coming from New York, actually. Uh, we got Audrey Petty coming from Chicago to read poetry. Who's she's an amazing writer and, and poet. Uh, and then we have Natalie Channon coming. And Natalie is, if you look up AlabamaChannon dot com, C H A N I N. She does amazing clothing in Alabama. 
She the she's seamstress. You're, uh, it's beautiful. Yeah. Wow. And she's coming up, and she's going to do a actually a half day uh, sewing workshop at Zing Train on Friday, and then come to Camp Bacon and do something on sewing with bacon. And then she's actually staying for one of our Zing Train seminars because we have a two day. Uh, seminar on visioning which i teach and she's going to stay for that so we're going to have her like all weekend that's awesome that's so yeah. awesome you know listening to you t- run run through this it reminded me you know patrick and i were talking the other day um about uh carlo petrini and how before he was started slow food he was um part of this group i can't remember what the acronym is now but it was basically like the recreational society of italy um and it was kind of like this, and you probably know more about it than I do, but um, this to me sounds a lot like it. It's like, uh, you know, it, it would like, you know, get organized sewing conferences for, you know, for old ladies and, you know, huh. have like, a, a, you know, folk music get togethers um, for people who are still kind of practicing the local folk songs and traditions and um, basically any, any kind of, yeah, like nerdy but awesome activity you could think of like fell under the umbrella yeah, of this yeah. organization well, and it huh. sounds like the camp bacon is like a it's like a mini you know it's it's a mini one happening right in uh in ann arbor well we like you know that's part of why i love southern foodways actually is because i, I feel like it's such a good uh blend of of intellectually interesting activity with fun with really great food and great people and you know, I always learn a lot when I go to the symposium, and everybody's really nice, and I eat really well. And those are, you know, those are really for me kind of where it's at: good people, good food, and and good learning. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of events with bacon around the country where it's just sort of like eat a lot of bacon, and drink a lot of beer, which you know, there's certainly nothing wrong with either of those two. But we try to make it a little more intellectually interesting and and uh, a little more interpersonal, so poetry and sewing and fun and games and some history and, and all sorts of stuff. And it's pretty cool. We also have somebody I should say coming from uh, Fermin, uh, to talk about the Iberico, uh, pigs in Western Spain. Wow. Too. And then Sunday we have, uh, a street fair out at the, uh, Ann Arbor farmer's market from 11 to two. And we use that to raise money, like I said, for 4-H and we have about 15 different vendors selling pork related, uh, products and a lot of games for kids and all that sort of stuff. And, have fun. And do the 4-H kids, um, do they, like, exhibit any pigs or, or anything like that? Uh, or? They have brought pigs. Usually we have them bring a couple of pigs. And we, we buy a lot of Alex uh, Young, who's our partner at the Roadhouse, I mentioned, he often buys uh, 4-H uh, animals at the auctions. And then that's the animals that go to Cornman Farms, which is our farm, and he finishes them up there. That's great. That's very cool. So you got the whole virtuous cycle there. <laughs> We're trying. Yeah. And I should say, our um, Sophie Schlesinger, my co-host, has just joined us. Um, and, uh, is she in traffic, too? She was, she was in traffic, and then she was actually p- procuring some um, sticky buns from Roberta's because um, that is a, uh, yeah, uh, the sticky buns here are pretty great. They probably have some pork fat in them, too. But, um but very happy to be back in the booth and yeah and actually about southern and, food waste. and talking about southern food waste yeah sophie um went to school down at emory and um i feel yeah. like yeah, yeah knows i have a, a very about. big academic crush on southern food waste alliance for good reason <laughs> yeah <laughs> so maybe really southern food waste alliance has a crush on you you don't know oh man i don't know about that <laughs> <laughs> we we're just talking yeah we've got to get down to the symposium one of these years that'll yeah. be really cool um well 
I think actually it's time to take a really quick break, but when we come back, I'd love to talk with you a little bit more about some, like, you know, get into the nitty gritty of bacon, different varieties sure. and, uh, and such. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute on cutting the curd. This song is called Basilica by the Hollows, and you're listening to Cutting the Curd on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Changes come around the bend, shotgun wedding and a story pen. About a bishop who gave up his soul To feed a girl from the finger bowl Next time you step up for the intention The Academy Opus Cassius is the cheese industry's unique center for professional development, offering both practical and classroom training for cheese professionals ready to move their careers to the next level. When you come to learn at the Academy, we instill our love for cheese, our expertise, and our experience so that you can support artisanal producers, impeccably care for the fine cheeses you carry, and serve your customers with skill and enthusiasm. We integrate hands-on practice, formal instruction, and classroom discussion in all of our courses. The Academy's programs are offered at the Mons Fromagerie in the heart of France, where cheese undergoes affinage and cheeses are received, prepared, and shipped. Several Mons retail shops are nearby. The surrounding countryside is the home to producers whose excellent cheeses are cared for by the Mons team. The Mons cheese business has more than 50 years' experience caring for and teaching about cheese in France, a country known as the source of some of the world's greatest cheeses, deepest cheese tradition, and the highest level of technological research and rigor in cheese-making and ripening. The Academy has been recognized by the American Cheese Society as the first approved education center for those preparing for the Certified Cheese Professional Exam. Enroll now for Essential Foundations for Cheese Professionals or Affinage, the Art and Science of Maturing Cheese. For more information, visit www.academy-mons.com That's A-C-A-D-E-M-I-E dash M-O-N-S dot com. Certified Cheese Professional is a registered trademark of the American Cheese Society. All right. We are back on Cutting the Curd. Thank you to Academy Opus Cassius for your generous sponsorship of the show. And today we are here talking with Ari Weinzweig of Zingerman's in uh, Ann Arbor about Camp Bacon, which is set to happen next weekend. Um, Ari, if people want to get tickets or learn more about these events, um, what's the uh, website? Where should uh, the best thing is zingermanscampbacon.com. And if they want to email me directly with questions, also, that's totally fine. Uh, Ari at zingermans.com. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. So... I guess um, so. As far as as far as bacon goes, for you, like, is there a particular um, breed of pig that you think just makes awesome bacon, or is there a specific technique um, that you could point to that you know makes a superior bacon? I'm I'm curious to know what how you qual- how you qualify these things. What what makes for good bacon? So I mean, that's really what most of the book is about. Is and and sort of what drove me to write the book is was really not that I'm like the most passionate bacon eater in the world, but really more, I mean, I love bacon, but I, it really came out of frustration in a way because I felt like everybody was talking about how much they loved bacon, but they never really got into any detail about what made good bacon good. And, you know, when you talk cheese, as you do so 
eloquently everybody appropriately gets into you know what sort of milk and what was the animal the breed of sheep or cows or goats and how is the milk handled and you know what's the aging process and did we wash the rind and you know all of the things that we all discuss all the time but with bacon they would just tell you it was so good and it was bacon you need like a <laughs> bacon mom there's got to be more to it than this and you know, no offense, but Oscar Mayer or commercial bacon is not the same as, you know, what Sam Edwards does. So uh, I really wanted to be able to teach people and share what I knew, you know, about what made good bacon good. And then to really talk about, uh, you know, all the nuances of, of artisan production the same way we all do with whether it's cheese or bread or wine or whatever. So could, Anyways, you, could you give us like the quick and dirty version? Like, so what are some of those? That's what I was going to do. So, oh, great. <laughs> uh, so what are the things? Uh, number one, you asked, uh, yes, breed for sure. The old breeds almost always were going to produce a more interesting uh, bacon because the, f- the flavor of the meat was more interesting uh, num- and more fat. Uh, number two, you know, how the animals are raised. So generally you and I would prefer that the animals be raised out, you know, where they're running in the pasture, moving around. That's going to make a big difference. Uh, third thing, what they eat will make a big difference. This is all the old uh, historical stuff, which is now starting to be revived, you know, around peanut feeding or whatever the animals you know, would eat, or in Spain, western Spain, the acorns. Um, then which cut of, of pork it is. So in the U.S., we know uh, belly is bacon, but if you go to the U.K. or Britain or much of Europe, it's actually back bacon from the loin, so that's going to give mm. both are good, but completely different uh, texture or, uh, or flavor. Uh, then whether it's a dry cure or wet cure, uh, not one isn't good or bad, it's just different styles, so the dry cure is just what it sounds like. Uh, the fresh pork goes into salt or salt, sugar, and spices uh, and is cured that way. Uh, the other goes into a brine solution, a salt brine solution, and those the brine uh, solutions tend to be used more in the colder northern climates uh, and the dry cure more in the temperate climates uh, like the Mediterranean or the Middle South here in the U.S. Uh, then after that, is the meat smoked or not? Not all bacons are, so pancetta is not smoked, and there's a few here in the U.S. that have historically not been smoked. Uh, what type of smoke, what wood is used to smoke, and how long it's smoked, all of those will make a difference. And uh, I think that's it. That's wow. that's a lot. That's yeah. that's spoken like a true, you know, someone who's written a book on bacon. That bacon was like auto. everything <laughs> in a very concise and, and wonderful, wonderfully uh, phrased format. Um, so um, you're a big I feel like you're a bit of a food historian yourself. Um, and I've 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 heard once or twice that bacon is like the olive oil of America. Um what do you think about that? And do you think well, it, I, is I it our national fat? Up, so Did you make that up? That's amazing. Uh, I wrote about it in the bacon book that I started. It started to dawn on me. So see, I haven't was, even read the bacon book yet, and I know that quote. So it's like it's out there. That's, that's yeah. hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> it's like one of those things where you like you make something up, and then somebody tells you they heard this really great idea, and you're like, "That's my idea," <laughs> but I don't mind it. That's a great thing. Uh, it's like Thomas Jefferson said, you know, that ideas are like, it's like lighting another candle. You still have yours and the other one is lit. So it's not like anything really goes away. Cool. Um, anyways, but uh, yeah, it started to dawn on me that bacon was to North America what olive oil was to the Mediterranean. And so I just sort of wrote this whole essay about why I thought the two were parallel. But, you know, if you look at olive oil and anybody who's been to the Mediterranean like you uh, will know this, but I mean, it's. You know, it's it's much more than just a fat to cook in. It's part of religion. It's part of the economy. It's an enormous part of mythology and history. Uh, it's 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 really the key flavor ingredient in so much of the food. Uh, you know, it's the major trade uh, uh, 
product, et cetera. And so when I started to look at bacon, I'm like, you know, other than uh, observant Jews, Muslims, or vegetarians, really uh, bacon serves the same role here. I mean, and when you start to read into the history, you know, pork bellies and bacon and, and pork showed up throughout as the major economic engine uh, driving uh the, the economy uh it was you know it's still the major fat that's in the food and everybody loves it it's in all the legend and the lore so i really started to look at the two as the same and of course i grew up in a kosher home so it was not what we ate but yeah <laughs> certainly but certainly a lot of other people did it's, it's called it's called the gateway meat for a reason i yeah. feel like yes. yeah i agree <laughs> we i wrote about bacoterians in the book which are the vegetarians who only eat bacon and then (laughs) we have quite a few of those (laughs) and the book is is so exciting to me too because you know i get in in such a fluster and i get so upset when people say there's no food culture or food history in the united states you know and they'll look at a country like italy and say you know we don't have um, examples of food that kind of infiltrate the economy and politics and social structure etc but like you just said you know here's a great example of that and i think that that's such an important thing for us to have on paper yeah, no, I mean, we definitely do. It's, you know, it's just that because so much of the eating style here is, like in Europe, it's, you know, for better and for worse, I mean, things are where they are, and they've been there for centuries. And so, you know, the the microclimates, the environment, the soil, you know, all of that impacts the food and the eating. But here you have this huge overlay of immigration that, you know, is a huge factor that really didn't exist there, although it's starting to now, even though... A lot of people seem to be in denial about it, but right. uh, but but we had this huge factor of immigration, and then because industrialization, you know, sort of took over in the 20th century, then that sort of flattened so much, uh, and a lot of things survived, like so that they, they, you and I learn about through Southern Foodways Alliance or through the artisan products that we all work with. But it definitely leveled, so to speak, the, the culinary playing field. And I feel like um, the last time uh, when I was out in Ann Arbor for the Zing train in March, we got into a little conversation about, um, you know, the the role that um, even, you know, that slavery played in these kinds of cooking traditions. And you were mentioning pot liquor particularly. And, um, yeah. you know, these traditions, while, you know, they have a, you know, a definite, definite unsavory element to them in their politics, you know, that is a big part of American food culture as well. Yeah, without question. I mean, there's, you know huge contributions of from from Africa uh, in, in what we consider American cooking and primarily obviously in the south but then through the emigration from the south into the north you know I grew up in Chicago and there's all the tradition of barbecue and ribs and things that you know came up with African Americans leaving the south to, to come north uh, and then you know things like the Carolina gold rice that came from Africa most likely uh, the whole rice growing technology that came from West Africa uh, and then, you know, the idea of, of even barbecue, you know, could, could certainly come from the West Indies and stuff. So there's all sorts of influences that, that we accept as everyday things, but, you know, obviously came from somewhere and they weren't native to North America. Yep. Yep, absolutely. No, it's fascinating. And I feel like the pendulum's definitely swinging back the other way, largely, you know, thanks to people like you who are, yeah. you know, writing, writing books like this. And like, thanks to the food, Southern Foodways Alliance, you know, people are... Uh, are really into this stuff, and people, of course, like Herb Eckhouse and um, and Sam Edwards, who are actually, you know, perpetuating and or reviving these, you know, traditions. It's really, um, it's very cool. It's very yeah. Cool. No, it's pretty exciting. I mean, we've been uh, thirty-one years in business, so it's it's uh, it's 
come a long ways. Definitely, definitely. Um, so you're so you're baking class. So you're like not only an educator, but you know how to like make good food too. What are you guys going to be making <laughs> at your uh, at your baking class that you're doing? You know, I, I'd have to go pull the sheets, but we do uh, we do uh, some of the things that we produce and ship. So we make uh, bacon cheddar scones. We do a bacon farm bread. Uh, we do a whole range of baked goods with bacon. Uh, and we've been, I don't know if we do it in the class, to be honest with you, but it's sold out anyway, so it won't really matter, I guess. But uh, we've been doing a lot of stuff with Hungarian food, and uh, so we've been doing uh, retes, uh, or what most people here would know as strudel, uh, with potatoes and bacon. That's been fabulous, and uh, there will be a whole range of things, I guarantee. Well, and even if people can't sign up for this particular baking class, you offer classes at your at your bakery. At yeah, if they look at Bake with Zing dot com they'll see all of that and then also the books uh i mean i think you know but the last uh three books i've done and all the books going forward we've sort of actually gone back to i guess you could say slow books uh so we've gone back to doing our own books we do all the design here in-house uh, they're printed here in the ann arbor area uh and we're actively trying to stay out of mainstream distribution and off of amazon uh, and sort of handle the books the same way we would handle you know our food. So like the bacon book, the cover is the old style foil stamping, and you know we try to use nicer paper and stuff. And and people could see that and the business books, which I know you've seen. Yeah. Uh, at at uh, zingermanspress.com. That's great. Yeah. No. The the books the books are awesome. Anybody out there who hasn't who hasn't uh, gotten a chance to lay a hand on them yet, it's definitely it's definitely great. Um, yeah. I feel like you know Sophie and I. I don't know about you, Sophie, but the, I feel like the baking the the bread the bacon bread thing was near and dear to my heart because there's a place called Mazzola's. Um, oh yes, in my neighborhood in Carroll Gardens that has really good. They call it lard bread, mm-hmm. <laughs> which huh. it is. It is. It's, I mean, I don't know if that name sounds appealing or not. To me, it sounds appealing, but me too. It's pretty straightforward. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's nothing better. Actually, when I was moving to New York. I made a list of all the neighborhoods I wanted to see, and then I picked one attraction in each neighborhood to kind of get a feel for it. In Carroll Gardens, it was the lard bread at Mazzola Bakery. <laughs> and I'll never forget one of my Sounds first great. trips to Brooklyn, sitting on a brownstone stoop and eating this bread that's essentially just like a heavy log of cheese and pancetta and soft, buttery bread, like... Oh. rolled yeah. it's really dense next yeah. time you come to new york Ari, we're gonna have to cook we're gonna go <laughs> we're gonna well, go we at the uh, at the roadhouse we do uh i found in a like early 20th century cookbook this thing for they just called it fried bread and uh it's it actually we because we do the old ryan indian bread uh which we call roadhouse bread which also was known as thirded bread from the 17th 18th 19th century new england Cooking is a mix of rye, wheat, and corn uh, with a little molasses in it. And uh, so we basically fry it in bacon fat, and uh, we do that for breakfast at the Roadhouse, and it's pretty amazing. Mm. Wow. (laughs) Got to go back. I uh, (laughs) I only got to have dinner at the Roadhouse. There are many, there's so many reasons to return. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, if you came for Camp Bacon, you could stay for that visioning (laughs) that you and I have been talking about for about five years. I know. It's going to happen. It's all going to happen. And then you could cover the whole thing for Heritage Radio Live. There you go. There you go. Closed loop. Aaron Fairbanks, the director of the the organization who started off working at Zingerman's way back in the day, is giving me the thumbs up from the the studio there. 
go, go, Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I. So is there like um, after Camp Bacon is over, is there like a detox camp to counter <laughs> Camp Bacon, like like Camp Kale? Camp Kale, yeah. Or, That's a good idea. We should we should follow it up. I'm gonna get on that. <laughs> <laughs> you can tie it in with your tie it in with your farm. Absolutely. Well, the the thing is that you you uh, I think was it was two years ago or one year. I can't remember. We did Joe York from Southern Foodways was here and. Uh, we arranged. There's a local film festival. Michigan Theater is a, one of the you know those old beautiful theaters that's been redone, and it's a nonprofit, and we do a lot to support them. And they have a, a film festival called Cinetopia, and I guess it was last year. And they uh, it happened to be the same weekend as Camp Bacon, so we arranged for Joe to go and do you know show like four of his films, and I went with him. And so we had been at Camp Bacon all day, and. You know, then we we went immediately from there over to this theater where where they were showing his films, and so it was that really bad feeling where you were like smoking in the car, and all of your clothes <laughs> smell, and you don't you don't notice it until you go home, and no one else has been in the car with you. You're in and, a neutral environment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I felt like we like walk into this room, and we just smelled so intensely of bacon it was really quite it could be worse it could be worse it could be a lot worse i wasn't complaining it was just a little awkward (laughs) yeah i would say that's an added benefit you know your clothes are perfumed with uh with bacon as a result of the conference you're you're marketing your product basically by your (laughs) aromatic activities (laughs) absolutely yeah there's there are a few things in the world that entice people more than the smell of freshly baked bread or or bacon frying yeah yeah yeah. I agree. We've been we've been cooking Nooski's bacon. I think literally every day at the deli since we opened in '82. So I, you know, and we open at seven. So it means the bacon is cooking by you know six, six fifteen, whatever. Oh, and man. I realize there's like kids who grew up down the block, and that's like the smell that they would have had every morning. Lucky, wow. lucky kids. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, we are we're out of time um, for today's episode. But Ari, thank you so much for not only being on the show, but for dealing with our lateness due to you know our crazy Bushwick traffic. And um, everybody should you know check out Camp Bacon online, or you know even better yet in person. Um, it's a great event. It supports great organizations, and uh, and yeah, thanks for doing what you guys do at Zingerman's. It's just oh, awesome. thank you. And yeah, we'd love to have. We actually have somebody coming from Australia. We got people coming from the West Coast from Canada. So it's really a great event. And uh, Ann Arbor, for those who don't know, is right. It's, we're 25 minutes from the Detroit airport, so it's really not that hard to get to. And uh, Zingerman'sCampBacon.com. ZingermansCampPress.com Zingerman's for the books. Perfect. Awesome. Okay. Thanks, Ari. And we'll thank talk you. to you real soon. Thank you, guys. Have get a great day. Get some of that day. lard bread. All right, you too. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes Store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>